Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. What's up, guys? It's the Lady Gang Podcast, and we're very excited because Jenna Fisher, you know her, Pam from The Office, is on our show, and she's talking about her brand new book, An Actor's Life. She's also talking about the time she auditioned with Larry David and hugged him when he was trying to get her to leave the room. It's amazing. I've never been so jealous. It's one of the funniest episodes and funniest guests we've ever had on, so tune in to the Lady Gang this Tuesday, exclusively at PodcastOne.com or the new Podcast One app, and don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can feel famous. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to Starving for Attention. I'm Richard Blaze, and I'm here with Jasmine Blaze. Uh, and we are at our uh, fitness club facility. <laughs> shush. In a why shush? In well, a weird little. We're office. in the steam room. I wish we were in the steam room. <laughs> we're in a little uh, cubicle sort of area. It's the only place we could find some time. Uh, and I felt like this podcast was a little bit urgent. We're doing a special episode today. We are going to do a, an episode of Blaze reviews. Uh, you might remember we did Top Chef Junior premiere a couple of episodes ago. Today we're going to talk about uh, a movie called The Last Magnificent, which is a movie, uh, you're freaked out by these lights that are flickering right now? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a horror movie. It is a little right bit. Of, we're in like like a if really... someone kicked the door open with a chainsaw, I would just be like, yep, of course. <laughs> That's it. Well, at least we have it on audio, so that would be really, really <laughs> it's gonna good. It's going to get really loud. Uh, it is a weird space to paint the picture. We're in a weird little nondescript little office sort of area. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about this movie, The Last Magnificent. If you have not heard of it, uh, a lot of you are in the industry, so maybe you have. It is a documentary of sorts that follows sort of the career of Jeremiah Tower, uh, arguably the first um, American celebrity chef. Uh, the movie was uh, sort of produced and put together by Anthony Bourdain, lots of other amazing people. 0.0, I think, is the name of the production company. CNN, I think, distributed it. Uh, if, you, if you haven't seen it, it it's airing on CNN. Uh, I think they'll probably play a couple of reruns of it, but you can stream it for like $4. So our introduction to this movie really came about like that. I watched it on a plane. One of my assistants, Scarlett, you hear her every once in a while in the background on the podcast. Uh, it was like, have you seen this movie, The Last Magnificent with Jeremiah Tower? And like, I was like, no. And then I ended up watching it you know, two or three times on a plane. And uh, Jasmine, I asked you to watch it, and it took you about a month. <laughs> that's, a, that's just about how long it takes when things... And, into my and to, to prove that you're the CFO of all things uh, in our business world, once I told you that it was going to air on CNN for free, yeah. you were like, okay, we're, I'm in. Yeah, that's pretty much how it worked. Yeah. That's well, how- once I could just like DVR it and then it, then it got it pushed up. It- Pushed up on my in my inbox a little bit, so that makes a lot of sense. Kind of kind of works, uh, but you had a chance to see it on uh, this last week or so, uh, and it's really interesting because you watched it without me. I did. I watched it without you. You were gone, um, and I, you know, we're on the on the West Coast, so things air kind of differently at different times. It's a little uh, funky, but um, so I kind of Quentin Tarantino'd this movie. Oh, so you so somehow when I recorded it. I recorded the fir- the second hour first, 
So it kind of like bridged two showings, I guess. So it recorded the second hour and then the first hour. And so, the, you know, that both hours were introduced by, uh, by Tony, by yeah. Anthony Bourdain, uh, where he comes on and says, you know, we're not, we're showing you this, this today, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just thought for at least a good hot minute, I was like, this is a really weird that, way that to was start. Because yeah. you started in the beginning. So that's right. where the Tarantino reference. I love how yeah. you also dropped uh, Tony's uh, first name Tony. basis because you yeah. have, you've, you've sat next to him at dinner before. I have. Like before, Literally, you, like you were I telling me on the way here. Yeah, at like a four hour And you were like, yeah. when he was super famous, and before I was even any sort of famous, is the way you described it. That is true. I thought well, yeah. you had a crush on him. You've denied that. No. Uh, I know. I think it was just a normal, like, you know, we were just two, two kids. Two kids cooking in a restaurant in Atlanta. Like, he's, he, was, he was the man. Yeah, and we're sitting at dinner with Eric Repair and Tony Bourdain in the right. Cayman Islands. It was a right. big moment. I remember that for sure. 100%. And then, the, like, it just was like one of those, like, musical chairs moments where everybody's taking seats. Like, there's no assigned seats. It wasn't like, you're going to sit here and you're going to sit there. There's no assigned seats. Everybody just was taking seats. And all of a sudden, here I am. And the only seat left is next to Tony. And you're sitting next to Tony Bourdain. Yeah, and did I didn't. Did he smell like leather? I've always sort of imagined. Like, I've been around. I've done some things with him, of course. He did a nice uh, I think everyone blurb smelled for our like first book. Coconut. We were in That's the That's true. We were in, I think we were in the was Caribbean. Like mango and coconut. It's a good lotion point. From the hotel. But I bet you he smells like, like a fine vintage leather. Maybe. Um, but anyway, listen, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, we're yeah. going to talk about all parts of it. Uh, and spoiler alert, just to get you to sort of uh, general feelings on it, I think it's worth watching. It's definitely worth the $4 to stream. Wait a second, you're giving your stars before we even get into it? Maybe not stars. Should we do stars at the end? Uh, can sit, that's oh, like a fun pun. Huh? Stars. Yeah. I like it. Um, but what's really interesting about this is, okay, so it's, it's documenting Jeremiah Tower. Who is, Which a lot of you might be saying, who? Who is Jeremiah Tower? Right. Right. And I remember coming up as a culinary student, reading about the name Jeremiah Tower, but not really knowing much about yeah. him. I knew there was a Shapenese connection. I've heard of the restaurant Stars, but I consider myself kind of an old dog. Yeah. So, you know, for me to not really know right. much about him yeah. really proves what the whole point of this movie right. was, yes. is that uh, Jeremiah Tower is arguably the first celebrity chef the first American celebrity chef, the first chef to sort of come out of the kitchen into the dining room, the first chef to get endorsements, all of these sort of things. And I thought it was really interesting to watch this movie sort of play out and, and, and sort of chronicle right. his rise. Well, and because this was in like the, the 70s. late 70s, early 80s. Early 70s, well, yeah. So, I mean, Starts in the early 70s. I mean, before Food Network, before, you know, uh, any of these other guys, and you know, Bobby Flays and... Uh, Giadas and all these other people, right? That that oh would consider gosh. to be like celebrity chef, right? Yes. And he was way before that, and then just boom, disappeared. Yeah, way way before that. Um, so the movie, uh, we're not going to give you like recap frame by frame because it's a pretty long movie. Also, it's really Plus well I watched produced. It backwards, Plus so. you watched it backwards, <laughs> which makes sense because we had different takes on the movie. We did, yeah. Itself. Um, and you're, you really kind of got loved the sort of second half. Of yeah, the well, when, when we sat down to kind of game plan this, this podcast, um, I was drawn to the, to the second half. So the, the second half, which kind of covers stars in San Francisco and, um, you know, uh, a tavern on the green um, in New York and, and, you know, a little bit of like a bridge from back then to now. Um, and I just, I, I just got wrapped up in it just because it just felt all very familiar it felt very real let's <laughs> yeah. we're gonna jump back to that let's get into that at the end so yeah that's fine. but it starts out really uh, really taking it from the beginning where he's like a, a little uh, a, a little tyke 
Gosh, uh, I almost said it starts romantically, and that's gross. That's yeah, not that what I meant gross. to say. Yeah, that, but that, it did start very like here's a picturesque. Let's say picturesque. You know that he's he's you know in this beach coastal community doing some you know adventuring with his family. But then it goes wrong. Long story short, yeah. he comes from a, a, a well-heeled family uh, and sort of gets isolated as a child, but sort of spends a lot of time in these posh environments on cruise ships in the world's finest hotels. And sort of, uh, I think he uses the word, uh, Jeremiah says, imprinted, you know, stamped on his psyche, right. all of these experiences that happened to him as a youth. Where, it, it, to paint a picture like kind of like he grew up on the Titanic, you right. know, like I, eating yeah, all of these grand totally. Escoffier-esque sort of menus. Yeah, and lived, um, in, yeah, lived in hotels and yeah. Just, and it yeah. toggles. I love the movie, how they sort of played this reenactment, sort of like uh, the scripted part of the movie. I really liked Some people that I've read reviews on didn't like the scripted sort of stuff. Yeah. I like that it really helped tell the story, though, because you can't, you're can't, you not going to be able to find you know, right, any, you any can't. of that yeah, real you footage. Can't I mean, there was some real found footage there. Uh, but a well-to-do guy, he grows up in this sort of posh environment. He gets isolated as a child. You told me that you're like, oh, every chef's sort of story. Yeah. That sort of stuck, stuck yeah. with me. Well, I mean, that that's just... We've said it before. We even might have said it on this podcast before that you know chefs like they cook. They're they're like looking for love. You guys Absolutely. Just, you guys are just a bunch of a bunch of little little sad boys and, and girls, and you just <laughs> you like you want someone to love something you made. Like it's so true. So I mean, I can really only personally speak for myself and Jeremiah Tower right. because he said it in this movie. Yeah. But there is most for most chefs. There's this sadness that's there. This yeah. loneliness that's like, hey, I just want someone to pay attention to me. I mean, listen, our podcast is called Starving for Attention. Right. Um, and I, I think and a lot of... True. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, cooks sort of have that. That's why we, we get into it. Um, well, but back... The, the interesting thing, though, right, is that back then, you know, he came from a, what you said, well-heeled family. I mean, the guy, the kid's eating room service and living in a hotel, you know, three day, three meals a day. So back then... This wasn't that wasn't the story for most, right? I mean, to come from an upper class family like that, and 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 I think they even said it in the movie, like being a, a cook or a chef wasn't a, you kept that a secret. Yeah, like, you're you in didn't. The back, you're it wasn't. Back it wasn't you're something that your parents were were bragging to other people about. Not like it is now. I feel like like now I feel like it's hip, trendy, cool. Like you know. Well, yeah, for chefs are rock stars, but right. without someone like Jeremiah Tower, chefs would not be rock stars, right. and that's a, definitely a big theme of the movie. Um, so there, there's the whole childhood thing, and he ends up going to like a military school in England, and he ends up makes a really expensive Molotov cocktail. Yeah, he goes to Harvard. He ends up, you know, they they do all of these head in the box interviews with right. friends and people that work for him and with him, um, right? Where he, he's he's eating caviar and slicing smoked salmon. And cooking uh, for a bunch of his and friends. And cooking yeah. for a bunch of his friends, which right. is really fascinating. Really fascinating. I mean, yeah. I know that I'm kind of a late bloomer, but like that's like that that whole idea of just like cooking for friends and like in entertaining college. and just making in college, especially, yeah. right. is something that I'm not familiar. Even in culinary school, you know, there wasn't a lot of cook. I mean, we were cooking at school, but there's we yeah. party, but it was more drinking than it was sort of. Cooking. You know, slicing hmm. salmon and eating caviar and bellinis, etc. Yeah, well, you know, my I only have like one story of someone ever cooking something in college, <laughs> right? I mean, well, well, well my, first of all, then you're gonna have to tell them. Well, the, the, the story that I have, I mean, you know, and you know him, uh, Jesse Palmer. Everyone right? knows Jesse right? Palmer. So he went America's we, we, Bachelor. We share an, an alma mater and um, Florida University. First of all, the that University is not what it is. Are you okay? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, it's uh, people rolling over University in their graves. Of Florida. Yes. Go Gators. Um, yep. There you go. Um, 
and uh, he he was I, for some reason you know I lived with some football players and we were all like having a barbecue or something was happening. And I think at that point, like, most people were just throwing, like, hot dogs on the grill. Right. You know? I mean, like, in college. Maybe maybe buying those, like, patted hamburgers and throwing them on the grill. And and I remember this, you know, clear as day, that Jesse Palmer was making salmon in, like, in vegetables in little aluminum foil, like, hot pockets. He was making it in papillote, is the there French term, for so a baked salmon foil. in yeah. some sort of casing, aluminum foil. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know where I'm going to go with this one. Let's hear it. You know, that's very similar to Jeremiah's Aborigine Man story on the beach. Did <laughs> no, Jesse Palmer not. show you his lizard? No. Did he? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. There were many, many people there. But so. that's a story, of, uh, uh, including the lizard part, that many people would, would like to you know, be a part of that with Jesse Palmer. He's a good-looking man. I, I, I will throw up on the podcast uh, uh, mo- Instagram we, we, account pictures we, of us together. One time, you know, the other part of that is my mom and I ran into him at Target once with his dad, and like my mom has never, ever forgotten that day no like that's her biggest celebrity moment <laughs> yeah. and, and she's my mother-in-law and she's your mother absolutely well i get it i yeah. mean he's he's a charming guy but anyways he's everything that he cooking does, in college so. but, not really something that you see too often and definitely not elaborate dinner parties but maybe at harvard it's different I don't that, know. There, there, there you go it seems like it right yeah. um and you know it kind of fast forwards he leaves he he you know the, the first it sort of sets the stage for Jeremiah Tower like he's at a jumping off west right yeah, right where he's basically gone to school till he's in his late 20s it seems right and maybe yeah. even later mm-hmm. studying architecture and sort of just having sort of um, you know the trust fund child sort of upbringing really smart went to Harvard but then ventures out west and through some friends ends up at Shea Penney's. right in Berkeley, California, right. in the very early seventies. Yeah. So now this is before our time. We should have brought your, uh, we should have brought Gigi, uh, totally. uh, your mom, my mother-in-law, in because she lived in Berkeley for a while and yeah. sort of grew up in flower child sort yeah. of uh, times. Mm-hmm. Think about that, Berkeley, California, yeah. super early seventies. Crazy, I can't uh, imagine. Right, and this to me was the the part that I probably as a cook was the most interesting because. They start folding into the film all of this found footage mm. from Shapenese, like yeah. 1971. Which, which I mean, let's let's just tackle this now because yeah. you know Alice Waters wasn't in this movie, right? I mean, in the found footage, right? Oh, no, in some, no, I in mean in her interview. present day carnation, That's incarnation. Right. Like not. she's not a head in the box. She's not interviewed. She gives no obviously statement here. Right, and I'm sure that is telling. I mean, it's telling for me, obviously, but. Um, I thought it was interesting that where did they get that footage? Like who cleared it? Who said they could have it? You know? Oh, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm gonna guess it's just sort of someone. I mean, why not document it though? I mean, well, sure, but it's interesting because it does, it does it, say like Alice had a filmmaker boyfriend or something like that, right, and then yeah. all the footage is quite quite interesting. It's like a yeah. bunch of people just dancing yeah. and drinking. Who's the guy wine with the big beard? That the most awesome guy in the world. Yeah, who's that I, um, guy? Did they, they ever name him? His name. Do we they know? Do, do you I know who say he is? It was, I thought they said it was Lewis or something. We'll go back in and uh, check to see who that is. But like yeah. early Shea Penney's, before Jeremiah Tower, yeah. they're cooking. It's just like a party, basically. There's a, it seems totally. like there's it just seems like a coffee like, yeah, shop. Like literally, like hey, this is Hippie what we made shop. today. Almost like ad hoc style. Like this is what we made. Here it is. Come in. It's like Coachella. Yeah. It's what, right? It's like <laughs> Alice is wearing crowns. like flower crowns totally. and they're like dancing well, in the kitchen. The 70s, right? It's chaos. Early 70s. Uh, like fun, controlled chaos. And then Jeremiah Tower comes in and seemingly puts this like very European uh, traditional guard sort of stamp 
on the food of Chez Panisse, right? right? Yeah. They let him into the kitchen, uh, and he, you know, in, in conjunction with um, Jean-Pierre and uh, Alice and the team at Chez Panisse, sort of puts Chez Panisse on the map nationally. Right. Right? Right, through, like, James Beard and, you know, right. getting some of those, like, early uh, culinary food stars in, you know, uh, uh, Julia Childs and, and um, like... Exactly. I got a chance. I met Julia Child once. Yeah. I think I've, I probably said that, that story. Yeah. I was running up the stairs at Danielle and ran into Julia Child, and she's like, she was, you know, six foot something. I mean, yeah. just an imposing figure yeah. in every which way, quite yeah. honestly. Um, so, uh, Jeremiah comes in and he turns this around and he starts cooking, like, all of this food that he was cooking seemingly for his friends at Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. He's cooking the, the this classic uh, French Escoffier-type food, uh, and they start doing these thematic dinners. Uh, Chez Panisse takes off, um, and at some point, which was a very sort of French bistro via sort of the yeah. way lay of the land that Alice set forward, right. uh, Jeremiah starts doing more grander, more fine dining sort of themed dinners. Right. And then the movie sets it up that basically he becomes the pioneer to start doing California cuisine. Right, new American cuisine or whatever you want to call right. it. Right. I mean, they're yeah. not even writing menus in English. They're using, like, classic French, and they're cooking right. Dover Sole, and now all that of a sudden... That was, said, the first menu they wrote in English was, was the California Right, that's crazy to think one. about, yeah. right? That's nuts. Um, and they're not serving uh, Dover Sole. They mentioned that now they're serving Petrale Sole mm-hmm. and Dungeness Crab. And, right. uh Let's just take a quick second. I thought that second. was great. I thought that part, and I, I think Mario Batali yes. had a lot to say on that yes. part, and that was just great. We're like, on the same page. Yeah. You take it then. Now, right? I'll, I mean, I'll just take it. I mean, one, yeah, one, to, to know where that started, right? Because right. we make fun of that a lot. Like, this cheese is from this goat on this farm <laughs> right here. But, like, it started right then and there. Yeah, but we don't, I mean, we make fun of it at the extreme Endearing level. It. But but what they did, that idea of not hiding your Dungeness crab, I think is what Batali said, and not, not, not pretending that it's Dover Soul, like being able to be proud of the fact that it's it comes from exactly. the, the shores of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, what a love. Got life-changing moment for the cuisine of America. A hundred percent. And you know, real quick note on the Talking Heads. Specifically, we're talking about Mario Batali. Mm. There is not a more eloquent, articulate man when it comes to tor- talking about restaurants and being a restaurateur. Oh, yeah. A lot of people can talk about food, and Mario does that mm-hmm. exceptional, as, yes. exceptionally as well. But wow, the way he talks about restaurants oh, yeah. uh, is kind of amazing. I mean, the Talking Heads also just to really, you know. Throw it out there. I mean, it's everyone from Martha Stewart to yeah. Mario Batali to Waxman. Jonathan Waxman. Uh, Steve Ells makes right. an appearance. Um, lots of writers, lots yeah. of restaurateurs. Critics, all people yeah. that had something to do. Bourdain, of course, mm-hmm. that had something to do in the you know Jeremiah Tower sort of story. Um, but I thought, you know, specifically for me, the Batali and Waxman moments, because they're relevant still, right? Yeah. yeah. They're relevant chefs right now. Right. Their takes on the whole situation. And they're situation. like biographers, right, of this of this right. situation. I mean, they're bystanders. They can they can sit there and talk about, I knew that guy when, and here's what happened. And, like, you see the trajectory of someone like a Batali or a Jonathan Waxman, and I think it's just, wow. Super fascinating. Yeah. Super fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, basically, Jeremiah Tower creates American California cuisine, and all the press comes, and now all of a sudden, Chez Panisse becomes this sort of uh, national thing through the help so through the help of like James Beard uh, and and all of these you know great writers writing about the story, uh, and eventually leaves Chez right. Panisse, right? And it sets sort of the um, you know it's, it's, it sets up the drama. Well, of, it sets up a chef war. 
A chef war. The That's f- a, the, maybe the first, the at least first American one, Yeah, the first right? celebrity chef feud, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. Um, you know, it fast forwards, Jeremiah Tower leaves, uh, Alice Waters produces a Chez Panisse cookbook, and thanks Jeremiah Tower, but, you know, Jeremiah feels slighted, slighted yeah. is a nice way to put it. Yes, But totally. he is just, he's pissed. Yeah. Right? The, so pissed that the letter that he sent... In the 1970s, he still has it uh, to a writer proclaiming that you know Alice Waters is the pioneer of American cuisine. Right, it, he still has it. Right, and 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 in the movie, he's got it in his like his top bedroom drawer. Right. Like he doesn't leave anywhere. Like he's yeah. got it on him at all in times. Mexico. Yeah, still there. That he's got some issues. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, that's he's deep. got some issues. Yeah. So, um, and so this feud sets up where right. he feels slighted that he didn't get any credit for the work at Chez Panisse. What do you think about that? You know, again, I, I wasn't there, but I can, I, again, this is where I really loved listening to Patali and Waxman because mm-hmm. I got the sense from watching the movie that they were saying, hey, you know, Jeremiah should have gotten over this. Who cares? Carry on. Go do your thing. Do you think they're saying that as Mario Batali and Jonathan Waxman now? Or no. do you think they're saying that as Jonathan Waxman and Mario Batali when they were 20-somethings when this was happening? Okay, so that's a good point. So, yeah. so basically right. what you're saying is does your perspective because change right now, as, as the game changes around They're your writing brand? cookbooks with a lot of people on their teams, right? Uh, so absolutely. I and mean, we do the same thing. So it's like... We're dealing we're de- with this. Right. So uh, credit is an interesting thing when you're in a team, Right. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is, you know, this, you know, again, I don't know where cookbooks were at that time, right? Um, and I don't know, you know, what it said on Chez Panisse menus, but like, you also kind of just know who's doing the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. right? Right. Sure. Um, and like you said, we're in a position where we're writing cookbooks and saying thank you to a lot of the people that are doing the heavy lifting twenty four seven. Right. Um, but it, it, it's a it's a it's a slippery slope, yeah. as you might say, on both sides. Yeah. Because you don't want to be the person that. Uh, becomes an enfant terrible, if you will. Right. And I think that's what Jeremiah Tower ends up becoming. He leaves, he's pissy, he's upset, right. he didn't get credit, right? He, he, he wants credit. Alice Waters and Chez Panisse blow up, but then Jeremiah Tower opens up stars. And this is where I started watching. And this is where, <laughs> yeah, and this is where you start watching. This is where I believe the beginning of the movie is, and I'm and, very and, confused. And the interesting thing is, like, I, again, I, I've staged at Chez Panisse. Uh, the Alice Waters story is something that I'm familiar with. Stars is a restaurant as a young cook that I heard of. Yeah. But never, it never existed. Right. In well, my yeah. Training. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, do a Chez Panisse versus Stars in American food history, I mean, uh, you know, I've never heard of Stars. And well, I'm not saying I'm not well studied, but I definitely have had my feet in this arena for a while and it's just not a name that pops up wow is shaping has been open for almost 50 years i just that just hit me that's that crazy. it's almost 50 years or right got to be cruising up well, on 50 years 70, yeah. that's insane right and yeah. stars is open for a couple of years with a couple of locations but jeremiah tower goes down to san francisco mm-hmm. uh, and he ends up opening a restaurant called stars yeah first point douchey name <laughs> <laughs> what about know? what about the rug the carpet I didn't. See, oh, is it a carpet? He held up carpet with stars on it at the like you know meeting, um, the investors meeting. Yeah, yeah. Lunch. Well, listen, it was the seventies. It was the seventies. He's definitely a posh man. Um, but it was like it wasn't actually. It was the eighties, and it was it totally is. felt so, like, like the eighties. Like, yeah, one, <laughs> Everything one about word it. names. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no offense to no, it. No, it's, no, it's, Now it's looking at it. You know, forty years. You know, thirty years later, or whatever. Uh, but he opens up stars, and then this becomes basically like the first open kitchen, right? right? A lot of these talking heads are now saying like. 
they, you know, Mario's throwing the word out, energy, yeah. which is one of my favorite words when it comes to restaurants. Right. Uh, and Stars has got all this energy. It's got and it's entertainment. It's that was the other big thing. Like I love, the, yeah. How many times did they go to the piano player? Which yeah. obviously, like I've never that been guy. to Stars, yeah. but obviously the piano player well, was a big part. I bet of it. you hear a lot of stories if you're the piano player. You see a lot if you're the piano player. That is right? true. That is true. So the the picture is that this is one of the hottest restaurants. It's packed. They're doing, you know, one point the chef de cuisine is talking about how they were doing like 300 cover lunches, which is just insane. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, and there's it's a lot just of, the place to be. It's just the place to be. Yeah. Right, uh, I love when they show any of those footage, uh, the footage of like any of the plates and stuff. Yeah, because it's like you know, uh, it's a plate of like you know five shrimp with shells on, with like saffron aioli like drizzled over the shells totally. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm sure delicious, uh, but it's just f- fun to see that sort of found footage again from a restaurant that I've only barely heard of. And then they and they went through like how um, uh, Jeremiah Tower would walk amongst the tables and socialize and have his champagne and. You know, it wasn't really clear if he was doing that post, maybe dinner service. You know what I mean? Like maybe the it was in between, or they were serving dessert, and then he would come out. Oh no! Because you they know what I mean? Clear. They did make did it clear. They? I've okay, watched did it. I four, it? And in right. fairness, I've seen it four times. Yeah, and I've only seen it once right. backwards. So. Um, no, like he's operating like how kind of like you know, I mean, I would operate in a restaurant right, right now. He's bouncing all over the place. He's yeah. in the dining room. He's at the front desk. He's in the kitchen. He's in the prep area. He's downstairs yeah. in the office. He's all over the place. Yeah. So. And what we're saying is that he was the first one to really do that. Right. He's the first chef to come out to of the kitchen it. into the right. dining room. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wolfgang Puck is another head in the box yeah. in yeah, this movie. Right. Uh, really interesting. Everyone knows who Wolfgang Puck is. Same. Yeah. Everyone knows who Mario Batali is. You know, yeah. uh, most people know who Jonathan Waxman is. Yeah. Jeremiah yeah. Tower. Like, like I think yeah. it was really interesting to see the heads in the box because, like, Wolfgang Puck. To me, is like well, Jeremiah Tower could have been Wolfgang Puck as far as like just being on the tip of everyone's tongue. Sure. Uh, when we're talking about anything that has to do with with fine restaurants, right? Um, the restaurant does seem fantastic, though, right? When you yeah. see those images, totally. one of my favorite uh, shots, and I'm a little biased here. Uh, and full disclosure, we have a, a business relationship, but Steve Ells, yeah, uh, right. founder of yeah. Chipotle. Is a line cook there? Is I guess like a line cook, and there's like, you know, he, and he's like, he's like feeding Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah like checks off on the dish, yeah. and like Steve Ells is like super happy. Yeah. It's just like one of these great moments yeah. when, you know, anytime you can see someone like, oh, that is like what that person did when they were young, you know, look what they've accomplished, and this is what they were doing, you know, again, yeah. 30 years ago as a line cook, kind of, kind of special. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to us. We're taking a break from the review of The Last Magnificent to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors. And, uh, there's something about TrueCar that a lot of people don't know. TrueCar can help you buy a used car, not just a new car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through our True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. That's a lot, Jasmine. It is. Uh, you'll see what other people paid for the car that you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the new or used car that you want. Yeah, they do used cars. Um, I mean, listen, TrueCar, they show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, Jasmine. I know that you're doing that right now. You should really use TrueCar. I should, actually, yeah. You need to jump on there because now you know what a fair price is so uh, we can feel better about our future purchase. 
Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. It's competitive pricing offered only to you by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot, which is a trick a lot of people play, right? You see the car and then that's not there when you show it's up at the lot. It's all tricks. It seems like you're really good at buying uh, cars. Yeah, I go in with the, the steely look. That's how it starts. You do. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, if, and imagine if you hooked up with TrueCar. Right. You'd be invincible. Superpower. Yeah. You'd be the Magneto of car buying. Uh, which Magneto actually probably could just take whatever he wants. Right. He's, he's magnetic. He's, he's magnetic. Just, uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm in a big X-Men face. Uh, TrueCar shows their customers all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by 13,000 TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And some of these features are not available in all states. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Hi, guy. Yeah. Yeah, the team. Loveline, man. You guys remember us from back in the day? Well, we're doing a pod, and we're doing it every day. And we've been doing it for a while. And if you, if I hear one more time, people say, God, I loved you and Adam together on Loveline. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Will you please just join us at the Adam and Dr. Drew Show, please? Right. com. It's a great show. Come on now. Only on Podcast One. That's us. Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Just like the old days. Doctor's orders. Oh, <laughs> oh man, you're funny. Yep. All right. Let's go save some babies. Let's do it. This is Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Stars ends up basically imploding. Yeah. They don't Flaming really out. get into it. Well, um, they do. But they definitely there's there's lots of stories. I don't think I don't think the production of this of this uh, the last magnificent knows really like what happened. I mean I don't know maybe they do and um, and maybe they just were providing a lot of different reasons. They gave the earthquake as a reason. They gave the lawsuits and the the AIDS epidemic and the the you know uh, expansion of stars and, and Jeremiah's schedule and planning. I don't know. It was yeah, it was, it was kind of like pick any of these pick things. Pick any reason or all but of it's them. But re- it really isn't the earthquake. I, that's what I felt like they were trying to say. That it, You yeah, know, listen, know. we know how yeah. hard restaurants are. And again, this is the part of the movie where you get super fascinated yeah. by oh, it yeah. because now it's a little bit more like things that we're familiar with, right? Right. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. And so even here, they're talking about this kind of rogue investor who's like yeah. calling the shots from his table right. every night and yeah. how much the kitchen and everyone can't stand this guy. Yeah. We've been in that relationship Absolutely. before, um, and we know how hard uh, numbers are in a restaurant. Right. So there's obviously the, the whole thing is it's on the surface everything's fine, but underneath the surface, the whole yeah. kind of thing and is crumbling apart. Away, right? right? Yeah. He kind of ends up taking possession of stars. They start expanding. Yeah. Then there's the earthquake, like you said, the AIDS epidemic comes into play. Yeah. A big lawsuit, um, like it just yeah, it was a lot of stuff. And then I think poof. Right, and then right. Mario Batali, who again I think is the star of this movie, absolutely, uh, is like it was like, like going to the Louvre, and all of a sudden it's like going to where the Louvre was, and all of a sudden it's not there. Right, yeah. like what a powerful statement! First of all, to yeah. say that like it's as a monumental uh, yeah. as something like the exactly. Louvre, uh, but then the, the face that Mario's got on is just like where, what happened? Where what? was it? Where it was, was it near then? the Civic Center in San Francisco, the old Civic Center, the old right? Civic Center, which I think did after the earthquake get they like moved totally. It, right? Yeah. Um, you know, remade and, and rebooted. Yeah. Um, and then from there, Jeremiah, and they keep toggling back and forth to him in Mexico. Yeah. And I, I guess he just disappears just to, to Mexico, Mexico and right. starts like diving and just. Yeah, they like, didn't really say. They just doing a little architecture. That's how it opened. That's how like that's how the, how the second hour opens. <laughs> yes. Him diving, and I'm like, what the hell right. am I watching? Um, and you know, the first act opens where he's walking around the ruins of Mexico. Yeah. Um, being very 
verbose and grand. A walkabout. But he just kind of disappears and just like kind of leaves the industry. Uh, And then this is the part, again, where Mario, because he's so wise, and Jonathan Waxman, you know, I think it was Mario who says, you know, he he made the mistake he made was just like, you can't stop working. And it's another powerful statement. Yeah, well, coming from him, right? I mean, the, the, if you look at trajectories, right? I mean, just to, to, to see where Mario is at now um, and then compare that to Jeremiah Tower and, and, and just what, what could have been. Yeah, or even like, you know, Waxman, who, again, you know, I, I'm not an expert in the Jonathan Waxman story. But like, Wouldn't you want to be, though? Yeah, well, we have to get him on the podcast, first of all. <laughs> we I do. Mean, I feel like we, we really just do. see him. He's like, he is like a Jedi. He just he kind is. of appears. He just appears all Obi-Wan, of a sudden. Everyone's we'll eating in L.A., and he's just like right there. You know what? We're going to just do a hologram of Jonathan Waxman totally. on an episode coming up. Um, but what is, uh, you know, like, listen, the Jonathan Waxman story, the point is he comes back, right? It's not like, you know, not that he really ever went away, but all of a right. sudden Jonathan Waxman now is on every TV show. He's opening up restaurants. He's consulting in multiple cities, right? Yeah. yeah. Jeremiah Tower is scuba diving in Mexico, assumingly. Yeah. Then the movie takes a really weird turn. Where, uh, is this the Tavern on the Green? Yes. My favorite part. <laughs> Your favorite part. My favorite part, just... For and personal reasons. I don't know anyone on production, but from what I understand, the least favorite part of how the story was really supposed to go down. I well, think sure. this was a walk off into the sunset story. It's a walkabout. That's, 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 the whole thing is, is like this guy just went on a walk. You know what a walkabout is? I only know what it is from Lost. Right. Uh, TV show. No, I don't know what a walkabout is. It's like where you go and you learn about yourself. Like ah. you go on a, a walk or a hike or an adventure or yes. whatever it is. And you're gone, you know, and you leave life and everything behind and you go and learn about yourself. Yes. So that's what I feel like it was supposed to be him, right, going off into the sunset. Yes. And Bourdain then, uh, again, who's another wise uh, head in the box in this movie, is like, hey, I I see nothing wrong with just kind of like walking off into the sunset, which is so So Bourdain. Bourdain. Well, he also said the thing of um, the thousand thousand meals a night is a chef killer. Yes. Which... I would I would imagine there are chefs that would argue that. Mario Batali would probably argue that. I mean, Del Posto's busy. Those places are true, busy. True, true. So they is doing it a chef killer? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I you know, know, again, when you're doing those interviews, yeah. you know, context is always interesting. Sure. Yeah, true. Um, but no one, I don't, I, again, I, I have a feeling I would love to know the backstory here. Yeah. Or maybe we'll, you know, Jeremiah Tower follows me on Twitter now. He has a Twitter account. So maybe That's we'll awesome. talk to him or Perfect. talk to someone from production. But I have a feeling like all of a sudden someone in production gets a text like, uh, hey, Jeremiah Tower is going to go run Google Tower Alert. of the Green. <laughs> and like everyone just probably jaw drops. Hey, all of the critics. Can you stuff. imagine? Just I think Florence Fabrican is one of the talking heads as well, New York Times writer. Ruth Reichel is uh, for Ruth sure. Ruth Reichel is yeah, for sure. Right. And all of a sudden everyone's like, what? Jeremiah Tower is coming to yeah. Tavern on the Green? Right. In New York. Wow. In New Crazy. York, which again is in Central Park, is even though I'm a native New Yorker. It's a touristy sort of thing. Even when it was, I think it was, was Patrick Green, who that's a name that mm-hmm. most people don't know, but um, I think he was a chef at Tavern on Green for a little while when I was like, I felt like a young boy or a really young cook, but it's always been one of those sort of impossible touristy sort of places. Yeah. And everyone's, and, and you know, even the movie can't even hide the fact that you know. This is going to be a shit show. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I would love to just be able to be, like, out of my own body watching that. Because, frankly, I've watched it a couple times in our own life. (laughs) No, not shit shows, but just those, like, doomed partnerships that, um, you know, you just kind of, you're in it because you need it. And, um, yeah, you just... Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. You just know, you know. So here's the thing. So this is the problem. 
It's not a big deal if Jeremiah Tower leaves stars and then just starts consulting on a bunch of different restaurants sure. and just starts grinding out different things. And maybe one sure. works and yeah. two, two are great and one doesn't work and right. one fails. Even great restaurateurs, you know, right. the Jean Georges, the Alain Ducasse's of the world, they close restaurants because it's a hard business, but yeah. they don't stop cooking. They don't stop right. opening up places. And, you know, I, I, I think it's almost like before, because he was out of the game so long, like he set himself up for this failure, right? He had a lot of people, they say, there's a, there's a target on his back. Uh, and every, you know, there's a lot of people out to get him. There's a, a quote well, where one of his chefs says, yeah. you know, it's the whole world versus Jeremiah Tower. Uh, and you got that sense, right? Well, I mean, maybe. What are your thoughts? Are I your... don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think some of it is, is that. I think some of it is his own undoing too, right? Oh, I mean, 100%. Right. So it's not, I mean, I don't think the world is against Jeremiah Tyre for, for no, 99% no. of the world. No one even knew he That's was there. That's how he feels, though. Right. I, I, mean, I oh, think, And I sure. think a lot of chefs feel that. I think a lot of young chefs feel that sure. way. I almost feel like it's interesting because, you know, when they talk about him as a child, there's a, there's a like I use the term enfant terrible, mm-hmm. right? There is that part. It's like that growing up part that yeah. seems like just a maturity, like yeah. especially in the tavern. Of so the you think if stuff. he had taken a couple knocks along his forties, right, thirties and forties in restaurants, and then you know maybe that successful story wow. is this out is there. Wow, this is inspiring because you know you're you're opening something I didn't think about the movie, but like yeah, okay, so you leave Chez Panisse, right? He made it all, so he's not there's, there's nothing wrong there. He feels right. like he created it all and he's been slighted, right? Yeah. Then stars, arguably, it's not his fault. The investor's yeah, wrong. walk away. And yeah. uh, Earthquake did this, and you know whoever's suing him is wrong. Sure. And, but, but as chefs, you know, especially for me, it took years to figure out, you know what? The partner might be an asshole. Yeah. My investor might be an asshole. Yeah. The critic might be an asshole. But guess what? Look in the mirror. You might also be right. a part of the problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's definitely that here. Yeah. But you knew as soon as also... They, they, they pan to these uh, new business oh partners. Oh, my gosh. It, Listen, yeah. The Tavern on the Green part, it just, it had it. It had it all for me. <laughs> like, for me, I mean, I'm just going to talk from our own personal experience. Okay. It had sure? secret walk-in meetings. It, well, free, okay. I like how you're going to break this down. Yeah. Yeah. It had. Don't don't come in here. So, but most right. people, I mean, real quick, let's stop there. Okay. Yeah, so we got to go into that. Secret yeah. walk-in meeting. There's, we call our studio here the walk-in, yeah, right? right. There's a reason because yeah. like things happen in the walk-in in things restaurants get shared, yeah. that don't happen in other rooms, yeah. right? It's when not an official meeting. Yeah. yeah. It's, Out it's, in the manager's meeting yeah. or, or uh, on the line, then it's, it's literally like a government, like no one can tap our phones in this totally. room. Totally. Like situation. no one can hear us through these insulated walls. Yeah. All yes. the truth happens inside of the walk-in. And yes. there's a moment, yeah, where a cook's coming in there, la di la di la just looking for some ridiculous. Yeah. And Jeremiah Tower's like, now's not a good time. Yeah. Get the hell out bad day yeah um but he's got that you know he's got so he got the secret walk-in meetings which yes love 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 that um you got him just giving it to the emo line cook about some onions you know this kid's got like a a, a angled haircut over one eye and like he's just like the, the the type of cook you see nowadays and he's just giving it to him and it's the worst uh for for that poor kid by the yeah. way oh, like yeah, the worst moment Right, because like yeah. his only moment is like burning the risotto or yeah, whatever the hell is happening right onions. there. He did something um, the onions. That's all I could get. And there's where I did have a little bit of a problem with the movie because you know at that point, you know that there's a camera following you, right? Sure. So you know that there's you gotta kind of, you know, well, the, you gotta. There was more. He gave it to the bartender for the limes too. <laughs> so and, and all deserve all deserve it. Yeah, right. gross. Brown edge limes are gross. which is a personal pet peeve of personal yours. Personal pet. It's just gross. Well, you know the whole bartender tray. 
I was a bartender for a long time through college. Like it, the whole bartender tray, you need to pay attention to that. It's gross. You that's know? true. That's true. Maybe sticking your fingers in there. Uh, but you, you know, know what's weird is like there's this moment where he's rallying the troops, right? Okay. Seemingly like the first lineup yeah. or whatever. Right, here's, right, right. Yep. Uh, here's some soup, and it's like it, it's. It reminds me of like imagine if like an old, you know, football coach came back. And it was like, we're going to run the wing team. <laughs> the veer, yeah. <laughs> we're running the veer. <laughs> Here's yes. what you're going to do. Yeah. No forward passing. All right. Totally. Uh, and everyone's like, yes, you know, you can see it, but it's sure. like a feigned like a enthusiasm. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I remember uh, that. And you just know it's not going to work out well, yeah. right? And then, there's and then, the, then there's that manager's meeting. Then there's the manager's meeting. Now, we've been into where... some of those. That was a copper pot meeting. That was. That was. That was, a, that was a meeting where if you had any personal items in the kitchen, you're going to go get them out and put them in your car. Okay. <laughs> so you're going back to like, I, I travel with my own copper pots to a lot of our restaurants. And for a long time, when I was the infantry, oh, mm-hmm. when go. things weren't going well, if I asked one of my cooks to put the copper pots in the back of my car, we were on notice. That, <laughs> that we were, at some point, we were, we, were, we, were, we were thinking about walking yeah. out at some point or whatever. We never, well, maybe we did do that I'm once or twice. Sure we did that, just that one time. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of these moments. And, and in all fairness, there are those moments where it's just, he's being a chef. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite one is just like, oh, after they get a bad review. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, right. surprise, surprise, Tavern on the Green yeah. doesn't get great doesn't, reviews. Doesn't, yeah. Get, right? Right. Um, and the, uh, his new business partners, uh, sent him a message or whatever that says they're going to take over the food program. And Jeremiah says, these guys are going to take over the food program. (laughs) The guys who asked me if lamb has white or dark meat. Oh man. Right. And it's like, you know that that's a true thing. Been there too. You know that that happened. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And you know, I don't know what that deal looked like. But obviously it had something to do with a good times review, which is a very important thing in New York City, of course. Um, And, you know, he just goes on and on about ops meetings. Because you know what wasn't happening in the mid-70s? Ops meetings. Ops meetings. Yeah, exactly. Restaurants just didn't run like that. And, like, you know, I mean, now everything's a business. You have people in the restaurant game that maybe, you know, didn't start from these, you know, European kitchens, right? Yeah. Um, And it's just going downhill. And now there's just this sadness. You know, as we started getting into the latter stages oh, of this movie. Oh, gosh, where he's, like, packing up his hotel room or whatever that was. Or a little, right, and he's got this super loft, creepy, um, like, oil African painting. Mask. Oh, and the super... Oh, the, which yeah. is a pretty right. painting, but, like, yeah. I, is it... I, it just, he's he's, he's got the, the letter he wrote to the writer and, like, a couple of things. And yeah. uh, and he's trading text messages. And you can see, we've had those text messages oh, happen, too. Right? Where, like, it's your attorney talking to you via text. Had, yeah. <laughs> we're having those. We're having those text meetings. Uh, you didn't get a text right now, did you? No. no. Um, <laughs> but there's this sadness. It obviously um, is not working out. Yeah. He can't salvage it. Uh, and you know, there's a one of the writers and, and a friend of Jeremiah, uh, assumingly, is like, you know, he always went for the crown, but knew the guillotine was close. That's a quote that comes up a couple times in the movie. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Did you say? Crown? Didn't he say crowd? I thought he said crowd. Oh, I thought he said crown. Like, you know. No. Uh, I, maybe? You think it's crowd? Because, like, the crowd would be around the guillotine. So he came for the crowd, but the, he didn't know he was just getting led to the guillotine. Oh, that's that makes more sense. <laughs> but the king would also probably be around in that situation. So there would be a crown. I think both could play. Gonna, you're going to have to watch it a fifth time. I'm going to have to watch it a fifth time. You're probably right. I have no sure problem. Right. Plus, like, I wasn't watching it on a plane, and you got the, like, white noise of a plane. No, I watched it in a hotel room once, oh, too. Man, so, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I missed it. That's okay. That's still, okay. It's still a good analogy. I liked it, too. I, I wrote it down as well. It's, it's, uh, 
it's nice and sad as well. There is a really dark, like deep sadness in this movie for me when I watched it. I mean, just from the beginning, now that I know what the actual beginning was. Who are you sad for? So are you sad for Jeremiah Tower? Yeah, for Tower, for sure. I mean, I think with it, I mean, certainly the way he told his story, there was sadness. From his own perspective, there was sadness, right? What did he say with his childhood? Like, uh, um, alone, yes, but lonely, no? Or, or, yes, uh, or, or reversed, something no, like that. I no, think it was okay. alone, yeah. Like, I think he accommodated that he was alone, but he didn't accept that he was lonely, but. Man, I don't know. It seems lonely. There seems like loneliness in there. Yeah, which is also the weird because we, we did sort of gloss over the fact that the whole first half of the movie is painting him as this swashbuckling, debonair, ultra-sexual right. being that everyone is just drawn to and attracted to in yeah. every single way, seemingly. Right. Um, and to be to have all of those things going for you and to be so talented, right? Yeah. And charismatic. Yeah. And charming. And then to be so lonely, I guess that is sort of like the, the, the deep sadness of it. Yeah, it's a common story, I think, too. You it know? is. Yeah. It is. Um, but what is your final assessment? So final the, the, assessment. The, the, literally, the, the movie sort of fades to black where yeah. he didn't, he doesn't come back. Uh, and here's the story of someone who literally changed American food, became the first celebrity chef, was a part of two of the most iconic restaurants historically in our country and is just a a figure that most people don't know about. Well, I mean, I think it was great um, to hear the story, you know. I think that you and I have said this before, there are so many stories that need to be told um, just in restaurant history of America at least, you know, and and I think it was great to kind of unearth that story a little bit for a lot of the younger people that don't know anything about Jeremiah Tower or don't know anything about stars. Um thought it was sad but I also think that like uh you know obviously it's not the end right I mean so you you just told me today there's more there's more happening yeah listen go find Jeremiah Tower on Twitter where I think he's sort of hinting at a comeback I think I heard a rumor that maybe him and Batali and Jeremiah Tower are going to do a project somewhere um so I kind of love that like maybe they're now now it's and that's what you maybe right exactly like you you just kind of you know, it's just like anything else. You just kind of got to tie up your shoes and get out there the and, and run, date. and like, <laughs> you'll the, the, get better. The Tavern on the Green was the rebound date. Right. The problem is, it was a thirty. It was you know, it's been thirty years. Yeah. Until the rebound. A long, long rebound. Um, yeah. But you know what I also loved about this is that it put a lot of things in perspective for me because I always, like, when I go up to one of my younger cooks and they don't know who, uh, whatever, who a Ferran Adria is, or Marco Pierre White, I mean, Rocco Despirito, some of these people who, you know, they should know about who they are, Ray Coons, right? Mm -hmm. Charlie Trotter, even. Um, You know, they don't know these names. But, like, I didn't really know who Jeremiah Tower was. Sure. So, like, it's a name that I should know more about. And I'm grateful that this movie gave me the opportunity to learn about the history of, of, you know, more of the history of our craft and our art and yeah. it's undeniable that you know someone like myself and a lot of the guests we have uh, have on this podcast are standing on the shoulders of a Jeremiah Tower regardless Absolutely. of how lonely his existence was or how great he was yeah. uh, at different times in his life so uh, overall assessment I don't know we're going to give out 
stars. Do we, do we have a do we have a star rating? System? I don't. We, we didn't do we anything really for one. Top Chef Juniors, which Thumbs is good because it's. Good. I mean, it's on CNN. Watch it. Like if it's out, you know what I mean. Like if it's e- if you're like me and you need it to be easy, it's it's on CNN and and um, it's easily downloadable on on uh, Amazon and all those places and like it, it's good. Yeah, it you can good. stream it. It's I good. think if you, I last... if you like food. I mean, if you have, you know, definitely if you like anything about California food, I thought the Alice Waters stuff was really interesting. Oh, if you're and anyone who watches do, these. I want to do a counterpiece with Alice Waters, though. I just want to hear well, her she, story. Well, she didn't talk in the movie. She's not going to talk to us. I sent I her a Twitter message offline, the other day. Offline. I told her I'm a big fan the other day. So every once in a while, you don't know this, I send like random, like, That's good. You, know, you know, icons, like little messages that are like, hey, love your work. I just sent one to uh, Salt Bay as well. Nice. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he hasn't got back to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, listen, double thumbs up for me. Yeah. This movie is important, uh, you know, especially for, for anyone who loves food, media, anything. Yeah. These things have to be successful. So, like, even just for our industry, give it a stream. Pay the $4 to, to, to watch it. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about uh, someone who maybe you didn't know a lot about. And uh, all the found footage is amazing. Uh, if you like any of these shows, like the whole, you know, mind of a chef and all of those, like, sort of, real slow, artsy, sort of uh, very crafty sort of uh, food pieces. You're going to love this movie. They did a great job producing it. I hope we're going to see more things like it. Double thumbs up yeah. <laughs> from Richard Blaze. Uh, a thumbs up from, are you going to go double I, thumb? Well, I didn't realize that, we, that there was a gradient. <laughs> so, sure, I'll All right. do a double, double thumbs, thumbs up. Double thumbs up from not? both, uh, from, the, from the Blazes. Uh, give it a listen. It's something that is definitely worth your time. Uh, Jasmine, this is this was fun. This was I like doing the reviews. Hey, hey, listen. Sorry, uh, it took me so long to watch it. No worries. Uh, do us a favor, everyone. Uh, let us know first if you like these sort of formats. It's a little bit of a change up when we don't have someone uh, in the interview chair. Uh, but we're going to release some live stuff. I know we had a live show that just came up. There'll be one that's going to come out in the middle of this week as well. Uh, but whether it's reviews or things that are a little bit different, we love changing it up. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about uh, your thoughts on it. So you can find us at Starving4Pod uh, on Instagram, right? That's our Instagram handle? That is. Yeah, and right. uh, also on Twitter, although I lost the password for the Twitter handle. It's been dormant for a little while. we got to figure that out. Got an issue. Um, and of course, uh, you can listen to us uh, on Podcast One or on Apple Podcasts. we got 100 reviews. We just hit 100 reviews Ooh, on Apple Podcasts. I don't, I don't know. Oh. I, I mean, maybe Achievement that's Achievement Unlocked? Achievement get a ba- unlocked. Badge. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You now can leave Shape and Ease. Yeah. Um, but we still got five stars over there. Uh, thank you so much for the support and for giving us a shout out. Uh, we'll be back next week. Jasmine, anything you want to leave our crew with here? No, uh, I don't think so. Oh, it's I, Thanksgiving. It's, it's Thanksgiving up. Thursday. It's coming up. Yeah, Thanksgiving's Thursday. I can't wait. Maybe we'll just turn the mic on on Thanksgiving and like just see what Grandma can, has to I say. I could just interview you. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Maybe we should do something cooking like that. Okay. Love to hear from you, everyone. Thank you so much for the support. We greatly appreciate it. You've been listening to Starving for Attention with Richard and Jasmine Blaze. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Stay home. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. 
Podcast One has crime and mystery with shows like Cold Case Files. Unsure of how his victim was killed, the doctor completes his autopsy with more questions than answers. The Serial Killer Podcast. A little boy, as it turned out, was the kidnapped Billy Gaffney. And crime in sports. He's pulled over in Dallas and found in possession of a crack pipe. Let's just say the lawsuit didn't go anywhere. He didn't win. <laughs> Exclusively on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts.